Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 143 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And we're here to bring you all the nerdy goodness that, you know, you can get lots of places, but you chose us. And that's <laughs> we exciting. appreciate it. <laughs> and Jarman, what are we talking about this week on the show and what are we celebrating? Oh, we are celebrating, obviously, the, the great sequel coming out, uh, Morbius, uh, that's coming out from uh, Sony. Is that a sequel? <laughs> yeah, it's a great are, are sequel. Are we counting it? What? <laughs> of course. It's just been so long since the last one came out. Oh, yeah, you, you probably forgot, but 1995, the uh, well, I guess it was kind of like a prequel to this, but technically, so Morbius would be a sequel, but Dracula Dead and Loving It came it's like out. A, it's like an origin story prequel. Right. So you're going to want to watch Dracula Dead and Loving It from 1995 to understand kind of what's going on in Morbius that just came out today, because um, it really gives you the backstory of the character, where he came from how we got to the United States, um, but we'll kind of get some of that later. And but, fun yeah. fact, Leslie Nielsen is Jared Leto's dad. That's true. That's why they cast Jared Leto, because they wanted to keep it in the family. You know, I mean, that's important. That and the costumes still fit him. Like it's, <laughs> it's true. The, yeah, same costume. <laughs> same body shape, you know, that's how it works. <laughs> so, so, Steve, before we get into all that, what have you been up to since we last recorded? Uh, not too much. Work has been... Upping as we head into the summer months, which is typically kind of our busy season, so to speak. Gotcha. That being said, we never really have a not busy season. So, you know, it's all relative. <laughs> uh, but it's been a somber week here in the Bauman household uh, because I'm sad to say that my boy cat, Troubadour, uh, as of our recording, has been missing for six days. Oh, no. Uh, Anna and I went into the bedroom to fold some laundry and shooed the cats off the bed. And when we came out, the screen door was had been pried open, and Troubadour was out. Dang. Uh, we went out looking for him. We spotted him even, but he wouldn't come into us. Huh. And I we tried on and off from about 9 until about 11 p.m. When it was finally too late for me to go chasing through other people's yards. Right. Without worried about getting shot. Um, And so we put some food out, and he didn't come back, and we figured, eh, you know, will come in the next day or so and he didn't and he still hasn't so and you love uh, that cat so much <laughs> sorry he's, he's okay <laughs> he's definitely he's more my wife's cat like we each identify oh, with one of the cats yeah and he is her big dumb boy cat and kenzie is my evil conniving cat who <laughs> let her brother out and is now sad man just that a, he's gone how old was he or is he eight or nine here's the thing like at this age. point i'm holding about two percent chance that he's still alive right now six days is pretty rough anything after 48 hours i'm like Ugh. Uh, but we've been checking all the local spca and our santa clara uh, government site for lost pets daily and keep an eye open for him we made some posters and post them around the neighborhood we've done your the due things diligence you're supposed yeah. to do and I, I don't think he's coming back. Was he chipped? Uh, my cats aren't chipped, but it was he. He was chipped, but it was with some group out of New York. Mm. And 
X amount of years ago, they like sent me like, hey, it's been more than two years. We need you to renew. And I went, nah. Oh, you got to pay yearly for it or something? Yeah, it's like a subscription thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. And so I went, no, they're <laughs> indoor cats. We'll be fine. So he's never been outdoor. He went for a small amount of time when they were staying with my parents when we were actually moving out here mm. before we like sent for them. Like they were our wife and child back home on the east or something. Um, they they lived with my parents for a short time and they were like indoor outdoor then. Gotcha. So that's it. So he's had some experience. So he be, wouldn't be, you know, very little experience. Now, I had two cats uh, that I've had in the past go outside and be missing for it was about 48 hours, like you said, and then they came back. Um, so it's just odd that he wouldn't come back to his food source and his people um, after that long. So that is strange. So I, I now hope at this point, my hope is someone took him in or he's dead. I hope someone took him in. Yeah, that would be great. Right, right. Like, but I, I just I hope he's not suffering or starving somewhere. Exactly. I hope he's either done. He got hit by a car and it was quick or someone took him in and won't let him out. Or he found like a great cat feeding ground. Like I have some out, out here. There's like a, a dumpster by 7-Eleven where all these cats just are all fat and they're feeding themselves. So maybe he's just happy out there somewhere. I don't know. He used to get really upset when he couldn't find his sister in our apartment. <laughs> I can't imagine he wouldn't come back for her. I know. That's crazy. So, well, I'm sorry. Keeping an that. eye on her. She's she's a little depressed and she's moping around. Yeah. We might hear her during the podcast a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're we've basically set the expectation with Joyce. You know, every day he's gone, the chances that he's coming back are lower and lower and lower. Oh, so you didn't tell her that he went off to the farm in the sky or something. No, no, no. We're we're very open with her about that kind of That's stuff. That's good. That's healthy. And we and like we, we even set the expectation where like, you know, in probably this weekend we'll do a memorial for Troubadour. Oh, uh, that's nice. So that she has some sort of closure. Right. And we just kind of put a bow on it because I don't want her to just keep up this expectation. He's coming back. Yeah. And have a kind of ritual that she'll be used to now that she if that happens again because it does with pets. They all eventually go away that she'll know what to do and understand how it works. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, I just told her that pets are like balloons. They're only here for a little while. And then they pop and you throw them away. That's <laughs> Jesus Christ. The analogy doesn't translate entirely. <laughs> I mean, kind of does. But I think you get the point. <laughs> like it kind of works. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Turbador, wherever you are or aren't. I, I hope you were doing okay. I think I hope he's either he's, he's safe or he's dead. <laughs> right. <rather too. laughs> Not something in between. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No in between things. <laughs> Well, for me, I've just been up to a lot of work, uh, just a lot of audiobooks I've been working on, a lot of romance, as usual. Um, you can find it all on Audible. If you go to search Jarman Day on Audible, you'll find lots and lots of romance Ooh. and shirtless men, but also a lot of cool fantasy books that happen to also have romance in them, but it's it's cool stuff. But okay. I just got another gig. Um, I already work for some company called Static. I think I mentioned the podcast before, which is you can find on Grunge or uh or um, Slash Film, which is I'm the main narrator for these YouTube channels. They're also on Facebook Watch, where they're very popular. Um, but now I just yeah, got Germans all over the place in there. Yeah. And I just got a new job working for Homes.com, which are the same people who own Apartments.com, another uh, big giant company. And so I'm going to be the voice of many, many videos of Homes.com when they're launching several, and about a year from now, probably where you'll see a video of a town you want to move to and buy a home. You can watch a video of that town, a video of the schools in that area for like every single little tiny town. They're making thousands upon thousands of videos. And so they need a few narrators to 
pump all these out. So I'm going to be narrating those videos as well. So in about a year's time, maybe maybe a little less, you'll find homes.com. You can watch videos. You'll hear my voice on there, which is pretty cool. And that's going to be a nice, nice little gig for me to, you know, not have to work so much for so much, so much less money. I'll work less time for the same amount of money or more. And I can actually have free time to spend with my girlfriend and sleep. And, and think about how much you're going to learn about this great nation we live in and the small towns that make it up. Exactly. And I have to mention, this is too funny that this happened. I go to the interview with the guy. It's on over like Google Meet, um, like kind of some other things like Zoom. And he's like, well, I want to play you a sample video that we have a, um, a, a, a placeholder voiceover track on it right now. But it's just a placeholder video for you to watch, see what the videos are going to be like. He plays a video of a place called Metro West, which is about... 15 minutes away from where I live. <laughs> so he plays this video all about the town of Metro West and all the amenities it has. They say even this restaurant called Teak Neighborhood Grill. And that's exactly where I had my birthday just this past year. <laughs> nice. Teak Neighborhood Grill. And so at the end of the video, I'm like, oh, did you choose the videos for each um, interview based on where the narrator is located? He's like, no, I played that same video for all the narrator applications. I'm like, oh, I, I live 15 minutes away from there. <laughs> and so I was pretty much a shoe in. We got along really well and I got the job pretty much immediately. So it was pretty cool. Oh, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was just really fun. But um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's up with me. Some good, exciting voiceover stuff happening. Ooh, but exciting. I think that takes us to some. It's time for Nerdy News. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't know, I can't remember how much you might have done this, but there's a game out there, a game series by Bethesda called Fallout. And Stephen, have you played any of those games? I'm familiar. I frustratedly quit a Fallout once. Do you remember which one you frustratingly quit? I, all I remember is that there was a lock I needed to pick to like advance the story along. And <laughs> I spent 30 minutes looking for a lock picking kit and then went. But they didn't tell you how to lockpick. Like they didn't tell you how it was supposed to work. So I just kind of rotated the the, the thumbsticks a bunch, and it kind of jiggled, and then my lockpick broke. Yep, that's how it works. <laughs> and I went. It took me a half hour to find that one. Oh fuck this game! And I walked away forever. <laughs> and that was the end of it. That was it. I was like, how? I'm like thirty. I'm like forty minutes into this game, and they already made me quit. Wow. I'm surprised. Usually, there's a way of bypassing things without having to lock unlock something. Nope. Okay. Well, anyways, the point is Fallout started back many years ago, probably 25, 30 years ago almost. And it was these 2D games that were pretty basic. Then there was a big breakup in the company. Uh, the company branched off into another one making a different game that I actually got to do a voiceover for, which is pretty cool. It was a game called, I'm looking it up now because I forgot. Wasteland uh, three, like Wasteland two. So they made Wasteland one and two. It was still a two D overhead thing. I, I got to do a voiceover for Wasteland two. But the other part of the team branched off and made Fallout three, which became immensely popular um, on I think it was original Xbox and like PC, and it was great graphics, open world game. And then they have Fallout New Vegas. They have Fallout seventy six. They have um, all these different things now, a multi a mass MMO game now as well. But now they're finally making a TV series of this, and it's a great story. Um, and it's basically set in a retro futuristic alternate future where um, it's been several decades since a nuclear war back in the 50s happened between China and the U.S. So everyone went underground basically in the 50s. And so the technology and pop culture kind of froze in that era. So now that's been 50 years later, everyone's coming out of their bunkers and they're 
they still have that mentality and they still listen to that same kind of music and stuff. It's a very fascinating kind of world to live in for those games. And this TV series, which was teased way back in the summer of 2020, is finally getting into production. Um, it's going to be on, I think it says Amazon. Is that what I think I said? Yeah. But the first actor that was announced for it was Walton Goggins. And if you guys know Walton Goggins, he's amazing. Walton Goggins is awesome. He can pretty much do no wrong. He's in the Righteous Gemstones right now, or he was in the first season. He was fantastic in that. And he's going to play a ghoul, which is one of the humans that has kind of adapted to live in the radiated world, but they're so horribly disfigured by their exposure to radiation, but they can live a full life. They're just kind of basically a mutant. Um, and the recent news that came out just yesterday was Ella Purnell, um, who I wouldn't have known that name, but she was in a very popular show called Yellow Jackets, which was also on Amazon, uh, but through Showtime, I believe. Um, very, hmm. Really good series. It was about kind of like... Um, What's the, the the Lord of the Flies, but for women um, kind of thing? Oh, okay. And it basically shows the story of the women in the present day in their 40s and then back in the day when they were just like in high school on this island that they're stranded on and what happened there, that island, they kind of flash back and forth, kind of like lost, but like there's mysteries going on. And oh, and she's in the new Star Trek. Is she? She's in Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, she a voice in that. Okay. I didn't Gwyn. know. Ah, gotcha. But she's like huge eyes, very pretty, very good actress, um, but she's very young. But she's going to be like the lead, and she's kind of described in the the press release as an upbeat and uncannily direct with an all-American can-do spirit and intensity in her eyes that says she might be a tiny bit dangerous. So she's going to be kind of like the lead character, I think, kind of leading this. But the cool thing is that the series is um, produced by people who made Westworld, so that kind of big scope. But the writers are... The uh, main writers are the people who wrote Tomb Raider 2018 and Portlandia. So it's going to be a kind of fun mix of action and comedy, which is basically what Fallout kind of is. It's, there's a lot of funny moments okay. throughout that game series. Um, but anyways, well, I'm at just, the very least, it sounds interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. On Amazon Prime, um, I, most people, a lot of people have Amazon Prime nowadays, Prime Video. Um, some people, so I'm a hoping. A lot of people just have it by accident. Yeah, or through a friend or something. So even if you haven't played the game, I'm hoping it's a series that can stand alone and finally be a good video game adaptation because we know how few of those there actually are. Nope, um, it'll never happen. <laughs> it'll never, never happen in our lives. <laughs> and guess what, Steve? If you watch this show, you won't have to unpick any locks. Okay, good. Because I will quit. <laughs> God is my witness. I will quit. I'm sure you will. But I think that uh, brings us to our main segment. That's right. This week, to celebrate Morbius, uh, the story of a supervillain vampire, I guess, we're going to talk about a classic supervillain vampire played by the one and only Leslie Nielsen in Dracula, Dead and Loving It, the 1995 classic. The Mel Brooks uh, piece of resistance, <laughs> basically oh, man. his last film that he made, I think, that he directed yeah. and wrote. And he's got like all of his best people there and gathered them all. It's like half the cast from uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Oh, is yeah. There. Like everybody, sometimes in the same kind of role. <laughs> um, so let's do a quick, a quick summary run through. We'll talk about things that made it great, things maybe you struggled in, mm-hmm. and give our, our listeners just that sweetest taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the story opens with Thomas Renfield, who's played by Peter McNichol, who is honestly one of the highlights of this whole movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, rides a really rough carriage ride through Transylvania and he's jostled about he needs to get to the castle, but they won't take him after dark. He's had his business dealings with Dracula. 
he's greeted at the castle by Leslie Nielsen as Cat Dracula, who promptly uh, slips on bat poop and falls down the <laughs> stairs. It really sets the tone. This is what's going to happen in this movie. Yeah. Uh, well, Dracula is going to be buying a state in England and Renfield's going to arrange it for him. That night, Renfield is molest- like molested by two sexy lady vampires who Dracula sends away. And then Dracula makes Renfield his minion. And uh, and has him protect his coffin on his way over to England. <laughs> the sea is rough. Renfield hurts himself repeatedly as Count Dracula's coffin sloshes across the ship. Uh, Dracula drinks the crew and Renfield is found mad and the only survivor on the ship. And when they arrive in London, he's thrown in a sanitarium. Then we're at the theater. We meet, meet uh, sort of the, the young ingenue couple. Uh, and the sister Mina, Lucy, and guy whose name I can't remember. Doctor Seward. Doctor Seward. That I've got the the man's name. That oh, like the uh, Hawkin Harker, Harker, Jonathan Harker, Harker. Jonathan Harker. There yeah, he's the lead of Doctor Seward. Yeah. Dracula goes there to meet uh, who is his new neighbor because the the place he bought is right next to theirs. That night, Lucy sees Dracula, or Mina. Mina sees Dracula in her bedchamber. And he flies over to see her, but then uh, Doctor and Jonathan come in to check it out. They find nothing, and Jack Dracula feeds on her. Oh, it was Lucy. Next You're day, right. It was Lucy. It was Lucy. Damn. Yeah, Mina's the uh, wife. Or the ah, fiance. Lucy. Uh, the next day at the sanitarium, we catch up with the apprentice in Remfield, who meets the doctor, and it doesn't go well, and he eats a bunch of bugs at breakfast. <laughs> it was, that was actually a pretty good scene. <laughs> Uh, Lucy has fallen ill. And so who do they send for professor Van Helsing? Who's teaching an anatomy class, but he's also apparently an occult expert. He comes to examine her immediately. He thinks it's gotta be a vampire. Uh, so that night they lace garlic everywhere. Dracula goes and gets Renfield out. So he can try to take down the garlic. Renfield can't resist looking at lady parts (laughs) and gets caught. (laughs) Accurate. Uh, but then Dracula, we assume mind controls Lucy. They literally don't show how mm-hmm. he does it. But suddenly she's outside and he completes his dastardly deed and drains her entirely. Uh, Van Helsing warns them they've got to kill Lucy because she's going to come back that night. Him and Harker go to put a stake through her heart. She explodes with blood. <laughs> it is just a great scene. <laughs> Uh, Dracula goes after Mina. He uses mind control and it gets really confusing as he accidentally mind controls her and her maid at the same time. Uh, They dance in his castle and he bites her. And the next morning she's home and Jonathan comes and she's like super sexual towards him and really not acting herself. Okay. So they stage a a trap to catch Dracula where they're going to do a big formal dance and they invite everybody, but there's a huge mirror and Dracula goes out on the dance floor and suddenly he, yeah, they pull the curtain from the mirror. You can't see his reflection. Oh, it must be a vampire. Uh, he flees, but he moved his coffin from the castle to the old chapel. And that's where he's going to take Mina to finish her off. Harker and Van Helsing and the father go to stop him. There's a final physical confrontation in which he's almost killed by sunlight, but then turns into a bat, flies up into the rafters, and you think he's safe, but then who comes in through the ceiling? Renfield, who accidentally just buries him in sunlight. <laughs> Dracula like explodes in flame and turns into a pile of dust. Renfield latches on to the doctor, uh, and Harker and Mina presumably get married and live happily ever after. Absolutely. And the best part about this is this is real. This is the story of Dracula, you know, pretty much. Yeah. 
for the most part. Um, overall, a very funny movie. If you like Mel Brooks, you're going to like this. Mm, okay. Really? You can continue. I'll let you talk first. <laughs> All right. Uh, and honestly, some very just good bits throughout. All right. What do you think? I oh, didn't like it. No, I didn't dislike. It. I saw this when I was much, much younger, probably around when it came out or a little bit later. Um, and I remember liking it at the time. But since then, I've watched so many Mel Brooks movies. And I thought this was probably the poorest of any Mel Brooks movie I've ever seen. Um, just because before he used to have, even though it was very, there's a lot of shtick and there's a lot of silly gags and stuff, but, and it's very crass all the time. All his humor is, but there was, it was still very nuanced, very fast, had intelligent satire hidden within the gags, but this really didn't have any of that. (laughs) Just kind of just like a lot of it was so dopey. It was almost like it was made for children. Um, but there were some like moments that shine through that were really Mel Brooksy and type of stuff. Like I you mentioned with the, him eating the bugs, that scene was like, that felt very Mel Brooksy and like him and, uh, Roger Corman, who if you listen to Muppet Trek, he was a host on Muppet Trek, uh, or yes, Muppet show. Was. Um, and he was also in, uh, like the star Wars holiday special. He was in uh blazing saddles as Headley. Headley. Saddles, man. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, great. He's um, that scene was just amazing. And, but like, my favorite thing of the whole movie, I think I laughed the hardest, was it was very Mel Brooks type of moment uh, where Van Helsing says, um, he's a vampire. He's a vampire? He's not Ferratu. He's Italian? <laughs> that's, that's what I thought was just, I was cackling for that part. But I, I really enjoyed uh, Stephen Weber, who played Jonathan Harker. I've always liked him. He's a, actually a big audiobook narrator now. But he was, I thought, really funny and a lot of his facial things were really great. Uh, Peter McNichol, like you said, amazing. But also, I love Robin Hood Men in Tights. I've watched it a billion times. And Amy Yazbek, who played uh, Maid Marian in that, who's in Mina in this movie, mm-hmm. she's just always gorgeous and wonderful and funny. And I just, Yes, she is. I That's correct. can't stop looking at her and listening to her. She's just a delight in every sense of the word. <laughs> uh, I agree. There's a lot of shtick. I also agree that you're right. It's not nearly as fast-paced mm-hmm. as some other Mel Brooks stuff. I think part of that was because... If you look at it, not a ton happens in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Like it takes place over like a day and a half or two days or something like that. Um, And so I understand why they had like it was just like anything. They didn't have enough story to fill an hour and a half. Whereas like history of the world part one, they have all of history to go through everything to do. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, Or like Robin Hood, where there's like a large span of time in the middle. Mm hmm. Uh, but some really great stuff throughout Peter McNichol just as Renfield. Oh my God. So he good. just, he just went for it in a way that no other actor in the cast did. It was similar to his uh, Ghostbusters two character, but you know, <laughs> uh, I can see that. Absolutely. Janos Poha. Um, <laughs> my favorite moments were his throughout uh when he when he gets to dracula's castle and dracula walks through the spider web <laughs> yeah and he walks through it as he thinks he can walk through it instead he gets caught in it he stopped it and he twists like so naturally it's great physical comedy it was great <laughs> uh but then he but then he has to play it and that's what i really love <laughs> That he had to play it because that whole next scene, he's like trying to pry this crap off of himself while Dracula is talking to him. And, he, um, and Dracula's like, I don't care. <laughs> that was a great And I moment. know it wasn't him. It was it wasn't all him. It was a stunt performer. But the ship, 
where Dracula's oh yeah casket is like drifting and he's like throwing his body in front of it. It just slams him to the wall. <laughs> it just made me laugh so hard. I was even thinking does. at that moment for the stunt performer, I'm like, that had to hurt <laughs> no matter yeah. what happened. Um, I loved the 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 failed hypnosis scene with her and her maid who that, stays with her. That was really funny. Stand up. No, not you. You sit down. No, not you. You stand up. You sit down. Oh my god. You go to you come to the door. Ah. And I love how her maid is the same character that plays her maid in in um the same actress yes. in Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's the same duo there. It's ridiculous. Uh and the one thing I did like was the commentary on like Victorian health. Because uh, the one yeah. guy's a doctor, and he goes, and you could take him in, and you give him an enema. No, not another enema, and another one, and another. Put him in a straitjacket, then give him an enema. Wait, no, give him an enema first, then put him in a straitjacket. Then jacket. put him in the <laughs> Or oh, I love the, that. I laugh the hardest probably though when Van Helsing is there, and he's like, "Should we give him an enema?" And Helsing looks at him, just looks at him, and shakes his head. He's like, "No, no, <laughs> we're not giving him an enema." <laughs> So there were some gems in there. I You're agree. Right. Not nearly as fast paced. Um, and very. You're right. It, it probably was for a younger audience. It did feel that way. It's almost like it could have been PG-13. Like it was just I mean, maybe all of his movies technically were, but just they felt really pushed the envelope more and were more. Yeah. But keep in mind with Leslie Nielsen, we're at the point in his career where he's doing all of the naked gun. Mm hmm movies and he's doing things like spy hard and this was very much in his lane so maybe this was them trying to have like mel brooks make a leslie nielsen film right mix those audiences that makes sense came out of it that's not that's a good thought actually yeah they probably were capitalizing on that uh but you know leslie nielsen always a gem peter mcnichols a gem i say it's worth a watch it is Even just for Peter McNichols. In my opinion, it is worth it for, for Peter McNichols. Also, I will mention, I don't know all their names, but the little small characters were all like Mel Brooks favorites, people that he likes. And there were in other oh, movies. Yeah. Avery Schreiber showed up in there. He's another Muppet show guest. Yeah. host. The guy who plays um, Mart- Martin, the uh, the orderly. He's fantastic. And he was he plays um, Blinken. Blinken. Yeah. He was fantastic. Uh, I thought it felt a bit drafty. <laughs> and even the. Uh, the co- coach driver was a friend of Mel Brooks. Apparently he's really, he was really good. Uh, just little tiny parts. And also his wife, Anne Bancroft in the beginning, she's hilarious. Um, she plays the gypsy woman uh, who's, who's shaking her uh, neck. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was so it's worth watching for sure. It's just, it's, if I just don't think if you're a Mel Brooks fan, don't expect the same of his other stuff, which is it's different, but it's not bad. But if it's you're just, a Leslie Nielsen from the Naked Gun films, and fan, you also like Mel Brooks, this. then yeah, you'll like you'll like it they're if it, love this. it crosses over. But yeah, so that's uh, the prequel to Morbius, Dracula, Dead and Loving It. And just a little bit of trivia for this film, film before we go uh, see it in our rearview mirror here. Uh, Kelsey Grammer is somehow related to this film. It's a little confusing because there's two bits of trivia that are reported here okay. that he was originally considered to play Dracula before Leslie Nielsen was eventually cast. You know, Kelsey Grammer being our Frasier friend and uh, beast in the original X-Men movies. Weird, but okay. But in an interview on the Gilbert Godfrey's podcast, Stephen Weber, who played Jonathan Harker says his role was originally offered to Kelsey Grammer, which I think in 1995 would have made more sense than him being cast as Dracula. Cause Leslie Nielsen's kind of the heart of this film, the whole point of this film. So yeah, I think he probably would have been more of the Jonathan Harker. Um, Lisette Anthony, who plays uh, Lucy Harker, I believe. Uh, yeah, the, the Lucy character who's first mm-hmm. killed. 
she talked about her role during an interview, which is funny because a lot of Mel Brooks movies, women are very objectified and you see a lot of boobs and stuff. Um, she says, I, I was just meant to be there with my tits hanging out, looking ridiculously glamorous. And no, I didn't find it offensive being that sort of sexy foil. Lucky me just have spent a few months working with Mel, one of the comic greats of our time. Love him or hate him. He's one of the founders of what this generation finds funny now. So I just like the fact that she was like, she knew what she was there for, just to be hot and sexy. And she did a oh, great yeah. job doing it. Uh, and they said the basic concept for this movie when they were writing it was they wanted the men to be all idiots and the women to be all beautiful. <laughs> And they really accomplished that. They nailed it. I mean, the doctor and Jonathan both. Oh, yeah, pretty much. And I love so the scene where Jonathan Harker is is killing um, Lucy with the stake. There's just so mm-hmm. much blood flowing everywhere. It was a really funny scene. So for that scene, uh, Mel Brooks didn't tell Stephen Weber, Jonathan Harker, that he would be covered in 200 gallons of blood so that oh, his reaction would appear natural. This led to him ad-libbing the line, she's dead. Um Wait, I think she's dead. I cut the line out, I think, by accident. But basically, he says, I think she's dead now. That's enough. <laughs> that was him naturally saying that I'm not hitting her again with that thing because I don't want more blood in my face. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> I wonder how many gallons didn't get used. Yeah, because how can... many more gallons? Because that's not that wasn't 200 gallons that we saw. But oh, how yeah. How big the tank under there and was. And Mel Brooks's character walks up and says, like, I think one more time we'll do it. And he's like, I think she's dead enough. <laughs> like, he's like, no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> So anyway, just some fun little trivia there. But yeah, this is the the prequel to Morbius. So you know something about Morbius, Steve? Yeah. So I figured I'd get uh, do a little bit of research on our audience behalf uh, to get them ready for what they need to know about Morbius. Perfect. Well, Morbius, the living vampire, as he's known, he's a, a guy who was born with a red rare blood condition, made him weak and sickly as he grew up. He became a brilliant doc- doctor tries to cure himself by mixing electricity with vampire bat DNA oh. and bam, he gains vampire like abilities along with the desire for blood. Mm. He's got super speed, super strength, night vision, echolocation, flight, hypnotic kind of abilities are sort of the, the main, the main ones. He can infect others and give them some of those abilities, mm. but not all of them. He doesn't like turn them into a vampire and his appearance is very sickly and ghoulish. Uh, he goes on search for the cure for himself consistently. He even ended up on, uh, in, so remember in uh, captain America winter soldier, the raft, uh, huh, the floating prison. Oh yeah. He ends up there for a while, mm. but he's kind of a half villain. He, the, the cycle I read over and over again was he tries to do good, which leads to him getting close to people who he then kills due to bloodlust. Oh, no. He feels guilty about it, which leads him into conflicts where he searches for a cure and then tries to do good and then gets close to people <laughs> and then drains and kills them. <laughs> I see. So he looks for a cure. Hence like the, literally over and over and over again. This was the arc I read about. Isn't a Mobius strip? Not Morbius, but Mobius strip. That thing that just goes in an infinite circle, basically. Yeah, like that goofy inside out knot. So basically, he's instead of Morbius, he's like a Mobius strip. Yeah, I see. Okay, it makes uh, sense. But now. he does good on occasion. Mm-hmm. He fights cultists. He stopped Lilith, the mother of all demons, from ransacking the world. That's nice. But he's also battled Spider Man and the Human Torch. He battled the original X Men, uh, Blade the Vampire Slayer. Makes sense. One of his his main oppositions. And then someone who's literally named the werewolf in Marvel comics. 
<laughs> yes. Nice. He has also teamed up with Man Wolf, who is not the same character as the one I just talked about. <laughs> the Thing, Ghost Rider, Man Thing. Mm. He's teamed up with She-Hulk, Doctor Strange, and even cooperated with S.H.I.E.L.D. a few times. Nice. Um, And here's something crazy. And with Blade joining the MCU, I find it hard to believe that these two aren't going to be attached in some way now that Sony's just kind of coming into the fold. Yeah. Uh, Blade the Vampire Hunter, while a skilled vampire hunter, had no supernatural abilities aside from the fact that he was immune to vampire bites. Okay. He didn't have any of the other stuff until he was bitten by Morbius. Oh. Which due to his his mother having been bitten by a vampire at his birth and his unique genetic makeup gave him all of the strengths and none of the weaknesses. Oh, Wow. And that's when he effectively turned into the Daywalker that we know now. I had no idea Blade was intertwined with Morbius, but that makes total sense. Morbius gave Blade his powers. To make him a little more superhuman and not just a regular dude. Yeah, he was very skilled. In fact, I think he trained with uh, Stick from Daredevil. Oh, yeah. For a while and was like trained assassin and ran with a pack of other vampire hunters that were all very, very skilled. Um, but he didn't get his stuff, his real stuff, until Morbius bit him. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I hope they'll do something like that since ti- the timing's right. The timing is right. Yeah. And they haven't even started oh filming gosh. Blade yet, I don't think. So uh, So those are all the things you need to know about Morbius before you go out and check out the movie, which I hear is great. <laughs> is that a true fact? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. All right. Well, I guess that Let's brings see what us. Rotten Tomatoes says about this. <laughs> yeah. What does it say? All right. As of right now, Thursday evening, March 31st, Morbius has, ooh, ooh, no, 16%. Ouch. That is rough. That is not an MCU film right there. Ah, I didn't gird my loins for that one. (laughs) Always gird before you start looking at reviews. Always gird before. (laughs) Well, what does Dracula Dead and Loving It have? (laughs) That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Let's look. <laughs> this is great radio. <laughs> Here we click loudly. <laughs> All right. Morbius 16%. Uh-huh. Dracula dead and loving it. 11. <laughs> 11%. Damn. I was hoping I'd say the original was better. <laughs> really. So what we can say, though, is that they've made huge strides since the original. <laughs> 5% stride they've made. That's right. That is awful. Well, let's do some uh, radical recommends to wash this bad feeling off of us. Mm, delicious. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so this week is up to me to find something to recommend to you guys, and I'm going to give you a wreck warn of sorts, a meh-commend uh, to The Batman. And Steve, have you had the opportunity to see The Batman yet? No, I am the parent of two children. Oh, I know. And when you had your first child, you didn't go to the movie theater anymore, but you were able to uh, get storks to send you some movies that you watched on your own. I very rarely do that. I don't have the patience for that anymore. That makes sense. I get it. Um, and this is a three-hour movie, so... Whoa. Yeah. So this movie, that's why I'm giving you a recommend or a recommend is because it's very long. And that's even the people who like the movie even say it could have been shorter. Um, there are scenes they didn't need to have. There's, I don't feel there's anything revolutionary coming out of this film. 
it feels like kind of an amalgam of all the other Batmans before it kind of mixed together with some of the same elements. Acting's all great. Uh, no problems mm-hmm. with that. Um, the writing is good. There's just nothing that I'm that interested in seeing on there that hasn't been done a million times before. It felt like Batman's CSI. I even leaned over to my girlfriend, Jolie, and it's like, is this Batman CSI? Which is cool because Batman's supposed to be the great detective. And a big complaint from fans of Batman is that Batman has not been a detective enough in the movies. He's been just beating people up and blowing things up. So that aspect was very cool. Um, but it's just that they spent for me anyways, no time developing any characters. I'm not spoiling anything in this movie, by the way, by saying these things, um, there's no character development in this movie. Uh, it just kind of puts you into the story. The things are happening. I, they're assuming, you know, who commissioner Gordon is and Batman and the other villains that come to play, um, which we do, which is fine, but just like, I don't care about any of the characters because they don't spend any time introducing us or talking to this Bruce Wayne, this commissioner Gordon, we don't know them as people. They're just the archetypes because we know what they're supposed to be already. And so I was just kind of bored throughout this entire film. And that's okay. kind of against the grain because apparently it's been really well reviewed and everyone's going nuts about it. But I'm just like, uh. and my girlfriend really liked it. Surprisingly, I totally thought I was gonna be like, I'm, I had to apologize to making her go to see this movie, but she wanted to see it. And she really, really liked it. So I was like, oh, well, well crap. Never mind. I won't say anything. <laughs> but we had a different <laughs> opinion on it. And she liked it a lot. And I was just like, eh, it's just kind of, eh. It wasn't bad. There was okay fight scenes. But then you see Batman beating people up. And then you see Robert Pattinson in his very emo. They're even playing like Nirvana music whenever Bruce Wayne's on the screen. He's like, oh, Bruce Wayne. So sad, sad. His hair's in his face, you know. And it's just like, that guy's beating the crap out of people? I don't believe it. It's just, it just doesn't come through. Whereas like. Christian Bale, even the way Ben Affleck looked like a powerhouse, like that guy could take people out, you know, like he is something to reckon with. Um, Pattinson, you're like, no, that guy would just be knocked over immediately. <laughs> so um, Pattinson acted well. He just doesn't come across as someone who could kick anyone's ass. Um, right. Anyways, I had to give a mecha, mecha men to or a record warrant to the Batman. So do that with what you will. Um, most people like it, though. So, yeah. Try it out sometime, Steve, if you want. All right. We'll see. Because apparently there's going to be a spinoff series for the Penguin. some CSI, I'll take it out. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So I think that brings us to something else. Trailer reviews. All right. This week, I keep, for whatever reason, I expected the old voiceover to be there, and I had no reason to believe that. No reason to believe Aren't that. Aren't you glad it's not? <laughs> I am. Uh, well, this week, we're finally going to talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the second trailer that came out. This has been talked about to death, so if anything, we've let that that fire burn out. Now we're just coming in late. It's been about for a month now. It's been out almost, but it's still, it's worth talking about. It's pretty crazy. Oh, man. I'm... I am so looking forward to this. I have a very hard time telling what the movie is actually about, which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wanda is coming back, maybe finally facing her demons, maybe becoming the villain. Uh, you've got some sort of council. You've the got Illuminati. Sir Patrick Stewart's voice. Yeah. Uh, which could be the introduction of the X-Men into the multiverse, which means we could maybe see other x-men it's possible uh the question of who else is on the council we do see baron mordo whatever his name is up there walking yep. around um, Should we for? 
and it's been theorized that one of the other figures up there, if you guys are worried about spoilers, spoilers. these aren't actual spoilers, they're just possible spoilers, but the lady up there looks like it could possibly be, which I think would be so awesome, is um, Peggy Carter as uh, the protector version of Peggy Carter from What If mm-hmm. series. Um, uh, and then uh, there's thoughts that there's going to be a Kang variant up there. That would be cool. Uh, but a lot of big questions. We're going to get introduction of yet another young Avenger type character. Yeah. America Jones. Is that her name? America. Something like that. She throws star portals and, and summons cosmic power. It seems like she might be the center of this film because she's basically the person who can make portals between dimensions in the comics. Um, and so everyone wants her because they can basically use her to jump to any dimension they want without having to really struggle to get from uh, multiverse to multi- or universe to universe. And she can just jump them on at will. We see like evil Dr. Strange at one point. There's oh, yeah. another version of Dr. Strange. A whole bunch. Uh, I'm excited. I don't know what's going to happen. I do not think Wanda's the villain. Everyone keeps trying to tell me Wanda's the villain. Mm. I don't think Wanda's the villain. I think she'll be a villain until like half or three fourths the way through. And then she'll realize that she's been helping someone she didn't know she was helping. Yes. And then something like that. And then she'll change to be like, help them on the, she'll be on the good side, but or I, they'll play means to an end angle. Cause she's trying like to, she I bet she's trying to terrible, but it's to get her kids back. Exactly. Trying to find her kids. Um, but then she'll realize the error of her ways and she'll come around in the end. I hope, um, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Marvel's doing this because they're basically opening up, their universe to anything and they fucking want because now they have a multiverse of anything they can just be like well nothing else counts anything can count it doesn't matter we can make movies about anything now. yep that's the genius of all this it really is yeah um and i for, for my rating is i'm going to give this one raul julia uh sitting in a tent because he's camped out three days before the movie comes out <laughs> and he he has to be the first one in line and then I, my review is one Raul Julia walking past that tent and going to the, the box office and saying, let me in right now. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I demand a private screening. Right now. The movie's not out yet, sir. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's Tuesday. Yeah, I was about to say that. Bam. Nailed it. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I think that about does it for this episode of A Play on Nerds. Uh, join us next time, and we're going to review in honor, and actually not in honor, of the Fantastic Beast in Three. Dishonor. In dishonor of Fantastic Beast Three, because J.K. Rowling is kind of a fuck up right now. We're going to be reviewing the Sorcerer's Apprentice, starring From Nick Disney. Cage. <laughs> Nick Cage. All of that and so much more the next time you join us. Thanks for joining us this time. We will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. If you keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. But we're not putting this in. Oh, yeah. I can stop it.